Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the third chapter of Samuel, verses 1 through 11. Let us listen for the word. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At the time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could, no, could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know how many of you know this about me, but before I moved to Richmond, before I ended up here at Second with you all, I was a textile artist. And now, people usually assume I'm talking about fashion and clothing when they hear the word textiles, but I can't even hem pants not fashion. I am primarily a weaver. I weave with many different types of yarn on a loom to create patterns and images. But weaving is not a short process. It takes a lot of patience and requires a lot of preparation. To begin weaving, first a piece has to be designed on paper. Most weavers work on graph paper to sketch, to sketch out their pattern or design they want to create. Next, using a lot of math, the artist will figure out, based on their desired final measurements, how much yarn is needed and how long each piece of yarn needs to be. After doing all of the math for the measurements, the yarn colors will need to be selected and once that has taken place, 
the yarn will be threaded very carefully onto the loom. Threading the loom can take forever. Some weavings have thousands of pieces of yarn that have to be threaded vertically into the loom. And all of those vertical pieces of yarn are called the warp. The yarn that is saved to weave horizontally is called the weft. And once the entire warp has been threaded onto the loom, the artist is then ready to start weaving. But even that process is slow. Each string must be counted as the artist weaves to make sure that the pattern will turn out the way it was planned. If even one string goes over when it should have gone under, the entire image will be off. And speaking from experience, unweaving takes even longer. <laughs> Therefore, the goal is not to make any mistakes. And if the artist is careful and patient enough, this goal is achievable. And by the end of the weaving, the artist will have touched every single string in the warp and in the weft multiple times. In fact, weavers end up knowing their creations inside and out, upside and down. No one will ever know a weaver's piece of art as intimately as the weaver knows it. Our psalmist today reminded me that God knows us better than anyone who has ever known us. God knows when we sit and when we rise. God discerns our thoughts, and God is acquainted with all of our ways. Before we even speak, God knows what we're going to say. God knits us together in our mother's womb, and because of that, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows us. In fact, the word know in Hebrew, yada, means an intimate comprehension that grows from a personal relationship. And this means that God knows us better than we probably know ourselves. Because God is the one who weaves us together one thread at a time. And because God creates us, God is inescapable. The psalmist confirms by saying, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are also there. There is no privacy from God. Anywhere we go, God is there. And I don't mean that God is out there floating above our heads watching us like a surveillance camera. God is here. God is close to us because God is intimately knowledgeable about us and speaks to us individually. In fact, the entire Bible is framed by God speaking. In Genesis, in the beginning, God spoke the word into being, and through the word, all of creation was spoken into existence. Then in Revelation chapter 22, 
the Bible ends with the word, or Christ, telling us to come all who are thirsty. It's important that we realize just how often God speaks to us. In fact, Eugene Peterson says that the fundamental conviction of our faith is not so much that God is, as that God speaks. And when God speaks, God doesn't speak in grand generalizations to large crowds, but to individuals, personally. People like Abraham and Moses and Paul were all called by God by name. And they were all called off guard by what God had to say to them. Samuel's story this morning is no exception. At the beginning of our scripture lesson this morning, we're told that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. But we also know that God was still present and active because the passage goes on to say that the lamp of God had not gone out yet. While this detail informs us about the setting, it also symbolizes God's present, God's light, still among creation. At this point, Samuel has been serving as an apprentice under the priest Eli now for several years. And during that time, he's grown more, grown to know more about God. And this particular night, Samuel was asleep in front of the Ark of God while Eli was sleeping in another room. Close to dawn, before the lamp had gone out, Samuel is woken up to the sound of his name. Samuel, Samuel. Immediately he gets up and runs to Eli's room and says, here I am, because you called me. And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go and lay back down. And this happens three times. Each time, Samuel obediently presents himself, and each time, it wasn't Eli that called him. And after being woken up three times, Eli, who is almost blind, perceives what is really going on. He tells Samuel to lie back down, and that if he is called again to answer, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And sure enough, after lying back down, Samuel hears his name again. Samuel, Samuel. And he responds, Speak, for your servant is listening. But when God responds to Samuel, it may not be what he expected. God tells Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. An unusual answer. This doesn't seem like a typical call story. Usually we might expect God to commission whoever he's talking to to a task or a journey. But here Samuel is only told to wait and see because God is about to do something. Think about Moses. When God called Moses, he was commissioned to go back to Egypt and lead his people out of slavery. And then there was Noah before him, 
who was told by God to build an ark because a storm was coming. Moses and Noah were both given tangible tasks to begin. But Samuel was told to just wait and see. But this is where God's intimate comprehension of who Samuel is has come into play. God created Samuel, and God knows that he's quiet and obedient and willing to serve. Therefore, God starts by telling Samuel to see, or in other words, to pay attention. And the first thing Samuel responds with is listening. God is indeed about to do something in Israel, and Samuel has a very important part to play in God's plans. But first, Samuel listened to what God had to say. He had to answer the call the way he was created to answer. He was quiet and calm. And this is a very important first task for Samuel. Remember the first three times God called him? He thought it was Eli calling him. Learning to discern between human words and God's word was essential for Samuel's future as a prophet and as a priest. And it's also essential for us in our own callings. God may call us when we least expect it, or at the most unlikely or inopportune time, but we can practice listening for God's voice so that we can hear it no matter what is going on around us. God may also use the people around us to speak to us, such as a friend or a family member or even a stranger, Remember, God spoke to Samuel through Eli as well, because Eli helped him discern that it was the Lord, in fact, calling him. No one is too small or too quiet for God to use in his plans. In fact, oftentimes, God intentionally calls the least likely of all to participate in his work. And why? Because God knows us. God doesn't just search out people at random to see who's available with the gifts that he's looking for. God intentionally creates us for the task that he calls us to. And I'm not talking about a call to a certain profession or vocation that will earn us fair pay until we retire. I'm talking about a call that comes directly from God, that asks us to seek justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly. A call that if we answer faithfully, will allow us to be a part of God's work in this world, and will teach us to reveal God's word through our own words and actions. But answering God's call is not as easy as Samuel makes it look. When he answers with speak, for your servant is listening, he doesn't know what's going to come next. Meaning that Samuel's participation, as well as our own participation, requires God not only speaking to us, but in return, us trusting God. Regardless 
if the information that follows will be good or bad. Samuel answered God's call regardless of what would follow. And sometimes, to be honest, that risk can make us afraid to pick up the phone when it rings. Because we've all had those calls, the calls that carried information we didn't want to hear, a call to let us know that someone we loved may be in the hospital or sick, a call to tell us we didn't get that job. And usually we remember where we are when we receive these calls and the terrible information that followed. But on the other side of that, we have also received calls with good news and great joy. A call to tell us of the birth of a new family member. A call to let us know we've been promoted and we've been working hard. Or a call just to say that we are loved and missed by someone far away. Those calls come too. But if we screen all of our calls, how will we receive the good news? And we do this all the time. We screen our calls. With smartphones and the latest technology, we can see who's calling before we ever have to answer. The name pops up on our screen, and we evaluate whether or not we want to take the call. What is this person going to be talking to me about if I answer? How long is this going to take? Do I even feel like talking right now? Oh, and if it's a number I don't recognize, nope, I'm not even going to pick it up. Sometimes we just want our privacy, right? But there is no call screening from God. There's no privacy from God. When God calls us, we have to answer. You remember Jonah, don't you? Jonah tried to avoid God's call and wound up thrown off a boat in the belly of a whale. But friends, we do have the freedom to decide how we answer God's call. We can answer faithfully, as Samuel did, saying that, Speak, God, your servant is here and I'm listening. Or we could send God directly to voicemail and wait till we find out what it's about before we call him back. But friends, it's how we respond to this call that sets us apart as followers of Christ. And it's our answers that allow others to see Christ working through us. We don't have to know exactly what's coming next before we respond. We just have to trust God as we respond. Samuel was caught off guard when his name was called, but his faithful response was what allowed him to finally, intimately know God. Here at Second, we've already responded faithfully to serve God in this city through our ministries like Walk-In and Ukirk and the Child Care Center, but how do we respond to God's call when we go home or we go back to work and to school? Friends, God has searched you, and God knows you. God knows when you sit and when you rise up. God discerns your thoughts from far away, 
and God is acquainted with all of your ways. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Because God formed your inward parts and knitted you together in your mother's womb. God knows you are capable of any task God may call you to because God is your creator. So I ask you, where do you hear God's voice in your life right now? And what are you being called to respond to? It's my hope that as we move forward together into another year, that we can discern God's voice amongst all of the voices around us so that when we do hear God's word, together we can respond in faith and in trust. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Creator God, you indeed wove us together string by string, and in doing so you know us better than we know ourselves. Help us to better know you as we listen for your voice and as we seek to respond faithfully to all that you call us to do. In your name we pray. Amen.